episode of Mr. Badger Talks to Utter Scum, and I'm here with a good friend of mine, Luke Man. How are you, Luke Man? Well, Mr. Badger, good evening. Yeah, was that your fighter pilot helmet there? Yeah, I wear these to the supermarket. People think I'm crazy. <laughs> Is there a, a reason why you've uh, decided to don your fighter pilot outfit? No, before at the beginning of the lockdown, my headphones broke and I'm cheap and I'm not going anywhere. So I was like, this will do for all usage. <laughs> Multi-purpose. I don't care how inappropriate they are, I'm wearing them. Exactly, yeah. Even if technically we don't even need earphones for this, but oh, never mind. <laughs> oh, don't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I haven't loved it. Um, we're, we're, we're here today to talk about a, a very... Very sensitive subject, aren't we, Luke, man? Indeed we are, Mr. Badger. And it is a BLM, if that is correct. Indeed. So been... Blue Lives Matter, the, uh, the, the thing going on about New York police officers have been shot dead. Why, why is it blown up so much? <laughs> I say, well, that's, a, that's an interesting spin on it. Yeah, um, so the Black Lives Matter situation that um, erupted the in America. Black? <laughs> black yeah with black people in america mr badger and a bit what's happened um about a, i think it's a month or so ago there was a, a, a police brutality killing a guy named george floyd um he was he was killed by the police and then that triggered um some protests and some uproar internationally about that um, there have been these sort of protests before for over decades, and they're back. Didn't George Floyd make some sort of a, a grill for your kitchen? I think you're thinking of George Foreman, Mr. Badger. Who's... Oh, sorry. I get confused because I... <laughs> <laughs> you cheeky... <laughs> uh, so, so, um, so... I've always put in a badger coat. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, but so uh, th there's been an incident, and off the back of this, it, it was police brutality which has ended up in a death of a black man. Yeah, he was he was killed. Um, he had he uh, the police one of the police officers had a knee on his neck for nine minutes, and that was pretty fucked up. Nine uh, um, minutes. It was eight minutes and forty six seconds. As Dave Chappelle's uh, new special was titled after it. Ah, so I say like we're already uncovering some uh, some lies. All of, uh, all of these people uh, going out saying nine minutes. It wasn't. It was only eight forty-seven. It's fine. Uh, yeah. So um, that's that's created an international shockwave. It's affected different things from art to sports to just generally the way people are interacting with people. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Like over the last, say, I'm thirty-one, and. When I got older, I thought that sort of racial divisions were sort of improving in, commu in community structure. And now things seem more divided than ever. And that's crazy. Like, I want people to come together and, you know, and to laugh and to... I'd like to come together, if that's okay. <laughs> I've done my part. I once had sex with a Jewish girl and a Muslim girl in the same day. Yeah? yeah. Mm -hmm. Was your mum asleep? Ah! <laughs> Middle East points. Yeah. Oh dear. So, but this is this is the only recorded incidence of um, the police brutality against black people. I take it. 
of course not. This is this is uh, historical. It's gone on for a long time, and the, one of the most notable incidents was Rodney King back in 1992, which triggered the LA riots, which lasted several days. Rodney and... King from Only Falls and Horses. That's <laughs> no, a different guy, Mister Badger. Oh, I'll carry uh, on. Yeah, and uh, that that triggered an up that triggered an uproar then, and the and, and there were riots, and it's and it seems like that this is an issue that never seems to go away, and uh, just uh, depending on how it, how frequently it happens or the brutality of the incident is, you know, how te- people tend to react. But the size of the reaction that I've seen this time is something maybe unprecedented that I haven't wouldn't have seen in decades. Who knows? Like, is this? I don't know how many people were protesting in civil rights things back in the day in the 1960s. <clears throat> but then, obviously, with with change or the people they're trying to make, obviously, other tensions are arising from other things. And when discussing these things, especially online. I think people sometimes forget that they're talking to another human being. So yeah. people, as soon as someone says something you don't like, Mr. Badger, people will take the least charitable interpretation that, like, hello can be read as, he wants to kill my family. But it's not always like that. And yeah. I think... I, I suppose people it depends think, on if they're... <laughs> yeah, you might, yeah. Oh, you cheeky bastard. <laughs> I, I can say these things because... Uh... I, I am both black and white. You certainly are. Like me? Yeah, exactly. We're, we're, we're brethren. <laughs> the brethren. Yeah. Only I haven't got any air because it burnt off. So you, you've got a, a lovely, lovely set of blocks there, if you don't mind me saying, Luke, man. Well, I, re- recently on the internet, I was just called pube head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually trying a miracle shampoo at the moment to try and get my hair back. My my hair's thinning and my friends are always taking the piss. And I was happy to just go bald, shave it to zero, get very muscular and wear suits and get a kingpin look sort of going on. But my cousin has taught me into buying some miracle shampoo off the internet, which may or may not be for horses. It is called Male and Tame, Tail and Mane. If, if it might be for horses, try rubbing some on your dick. <laughs> I'm already packing. Yeah. Well, put it on your balls then. Just have one big ball. <laughs> oh, I've, I've had big balls before, but from a horrible medical operation. I once had a torsion. Do you know what a torsion is, Mr. Badger? It's where they twist inside the sack. Yes. I had twisted testicles and a surgeon had to cut up into my scrotum and twist my testicles back round and sew them in place. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. And we had a friend like that when I was a little boy and we called him Rubik's Bollocks. That's a <laughs> genuine story. Rubik's Bollocks. If you're out there, Rubik's, hello. Um, <laughs> so, so talking of uh, 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 testicles... Uh, the the Black Lives Matter movement uh, mm-hmm. was that originated this year then, or is there a history to to blum? 
No, so I believe it started maybe sometime around between 2012, 2014, maybe. I knew it was during the Obama administration. Um, there was some incidences uh, of uh, black people, get, black guys getting killed with Trayvon Martin and Mike Brown. I believe there was the, there was Ferguson riots and Baltimore riots and things of that nature. So there has been civil unrest that has been going on for a while. And as well as the actual incidences themselves, which everyone will agree are horrible and shouldn't happen and things need to be put in place to stop them. Like I heard, so, I heard something that's come out of this in some of the cities in America. They've created a new law where if a policeman is killing or beating a citizen to death, another policeman has to now stop in and intervene if he sees him or that is a crime. And my friends were like, that should have been a crime before. Exactly. To see- <laughs> But surely in that, then, it's it's shown that it's not really a racial matter. It's more of a policing matter if they don't think that beating somebody to death is a crime. Mm -hmm. And I think the way that the the discussions are handled as well with these things, because with some people, it's a minefield and it's too sensitive. But then other people, they've all gone straight away. And there is a nice middle ground where people can come and to some sort, come to a table and have discussions to try and make decisions to improve things. And I feel that the media is encouraging divisiveness between communities and not just races, genders, sexuality, every type of group of people there are in society the media or the politicians will be telling you this other group hates you don't trust them they have the worst intentions for you only listen to us but to me that doesn't sound like someone used to trust the people who would tell you these things and i think people need to eat all things no matter what what whether whether it's politics or something gender or sex or race related as well as just uh, it's good to feel passionate and also i'm really glad that that even even that some people are awakening to certain things as well as rain stuff just in terms of the way the media and the politicians would like to manipulate your views on different things and say everyone has to believe or say certain things and if you don't follow this line to the t we will fucking behead you socially and we will ruin your life and any future prospects you have and that's like whoa buddy <laughs> it doesn't just seem to be the future. It seems to be anything you may or may not have done in the past can be used against you as well. That is very true. And I've lived a pretty fucking raw life, Mr. Berger, prior to comedy. And it, I've said so much crazy shit in my time. I didn't know I was going to try and become a comedian fucking 10 years later. And a lot of people don't. That's what people don't take into consideration. And or, or even if, or even if you are, so, like sometimes with jokes, or take take it to comedy. Like um, over here, certain things have been removed from television, comedic scenes, and people are questioning things in comedy retrospectively. And I think what people don't see is you can't expect all art to hold, or, or or anything from the past to hold up to the morality of today. Because you'll only be able to watch things or read things or look at art from the last 10 to 15 years. And then the goalposts of what is moral or good or bad will move again. And then you have to burn all that stuff down. Yeah, so, which it, it, it's not. A, to be honest, there's quite a few things from my past that I wish were burnt and nobody uh, could see again. But, um, you know, it, it, it is a, a dangerous precedent, I think, if you're judging people based on 
sort of humour from the past. Especially when so, a lot of it as well, it, it's it's so reactionary. They don't really, they don't take the entire thing into account. They just take a snapshot and say that that's that's horrible, that's homophobic, that's racist, that's this, that's that. Or sometimes, even with the joke, sometimes a joke is like a reverse joke. So what I'm saying is really the opposite of what I mean. So I might say something that is quite immoral in a joke to make an ironic point and be satirical. But some people who take everything literal think, this man is just saying really mean things that he wishes to happen to people on stage. And I'm like, no, I'm giving you a fictional premise to discuss this concept. And like, and you try and work some people through that. But it's, it's not just the same with comedy. It's all pieces of art. Some people take music wrong. Some people take films wrong. But with comedy, we are granted, I, I wouldn't say less poetic license, but the, the general public I think because people don't tend to respect comedy as much as comedians. If a comedian does something bad or says something, fuck him, this person's evil, destroy them straight away. And uh, Jim Norton, who's a wicked comedian, you know Jim Norton? Yes, I know Jim Norton. Off the Opian and his show. Jim Norton said something great about this sort of stuff. And he was like, People don't grant comedians this sort of faith. It is art. And he said he just watched the Stephen King film, It, and in the first 10 minutes, a child is ripped into a drain and ripped to pieces and massacred to death, and people were cheering. He said if It was a comedy, people would lose their fucking minds and burn down the cinema. (laughs) Well... To be fair, I think if I was hiding in that grid, a lot worse things would have happened to that kid. So. <laughs> uh, Michael uh, Michael Jackson thriller is staying in my car. I don't know what happened with all that, but yeah, it, it's good music, isn't it? Good music to. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, Mister Badger. That's your line of work. We're gonna have a short break. Uh, we all right to come back in about 10 minutes for part two? Yeah. Right, we'll see you in part two then. So we're here for part two of Mr. Badger Talks to Utter Scum. And I'm back again with Luke Man. How are you, Luke Man? I'm good, Mr. Badger. Nice to be back. What, what are you smoking there? Bit of the herb. Herb? Oregano? The devil's lettuce. Marijuana. Marijuana? Do you know what that does to your brain? It It can make you a seriously mentally disturbed person. I tell you what, I'd never touch drugs in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Clean living. Now, I, I, I think for some people, it keeps them sane. Or I'm a, I'm a fucked up guy. Levels me out. <laughs> yeah. Well, well done for contradicting yourself in about five seconds. <laughs> uh, so we were talking about uh, not just the Black Lives Matters movement, but racism in general. And I understand you've had a few incidences happen to yourself, have you? Yeah, and racism changes over time. Like I remember, say about fifteen years ago, when I was a teenager, 
even though things th things are quite polarized at the moment and people think things are really racist at the moment i was like there's a, there's a story from about 2003 that happened here in uh, birmingham i couldn't even imagine this happening now and the uh combat a team in the national front Do you know what those are mr badger the a team <laughs> not the a team uh, combat 18 there i think they were like a sort of racist protest group is, is there a combat under 16s i don't know they probably got a junior league like the hitler youth probably got their own league i, I might have to look into this racist children carry on indeed well they came down our school like so i went to a school in Birmingham. it was very ethnically diverse i got friends of all races black white asian obviously i'm mixed race myself most of the homies back back in my crew in that time were black we all went to the school and we left school one day and there was about 50 white dudes with skinheads marching towards us with dogs and pit bulls and signs and i was absolutely fucking terrified mr badger yeah but i was squinting because i could see a sign in the distance and i was trying to read it i was a little bit high and it was said go home we are trying to go home and you were stopping us with this racist march perhaps they were an escort team perhaps they were just like we are here to take you home safely I turned around and my friends had already started running without telling me and they got a head start. So if one of us got caught getting a beating, it was me and they could gain some distance because I was fat at the time. <laughs> oh dear. I so made it away. That's not only that's not only racism, that's also body shaming. Indeed. Well, I was I was fat and I was I was just fat, not fat enough to get away, so it was all right. But then, so I made it to the bus, and then the next day we went to school, and I was thinking that if this happened now, this might be you know a national and international news story on social media. Back in two thousand and three, there was none of that. They brought me and the other black lads all into the assembly hall. The head teacher, a white lady, I've forgotten her name at the moment, but she said, "I've heard about what happened last night." You guys are going to have to watch out when you walk home. I suggest you walk in packs. Maybe for <laughs> like or something. I don't know. All right. Be safe. Fucking walked off. Best of luck. Fucking hell. Yeah, lovely. So would you definitely say that racism was uh, worse when you were younger? I think the sort of explicitness of that sort of story and... Uh, me and my friends at the time, we were just like, we just want to go home and wank and play Grand Theft Auto. Please don't kill us crazy white people. <laughs> it, it didn't change my perceptions of all white people. I didn't think all white people were going to try and murder me. This was a specific segment of the city, that was, or I suppose in a lot of cities that are like this. And I imagine that education and other things played a factor into these ignorant views. Do you know what I mean? So um but me and my friends were just like yo we'll get strong we'll get tough we'll fuck those dudes up but yeah. never, nothing never really nothing never really came of it i think maybe the law tightened up on that shit about like race hating protests of children outside of schools i don't really know have you ever met a racist non-white person 
Oh, of course. There, there, there's, there's, there's racism from every type of community and stereotypes, or even within races themselves. So races themselves might have sort of class levels with their own race. If you look over to India, they've got the caste system, or different parts of over there, and, you know, neighbouring countries that, you know, border with them. They may have small cultural differences that can cause big divides. So, yeah, I think I think in the debate recently, I think that's been forgotten. And I think it's that sometimes the narrative is that only a certain type of people are racist. But then we yeah. know that everybody's got it. And I was like, you know what? You know what's the funniest shit in the world, Mr. Badger? Go and sit with a group of old people of any race when they're by themselves. And you will hear the most hilarious old racist tales and like you think oh they're not allowed to talk like that anymore it's like do you think your granddad at eight years old is going to change you think he's going to think his man's going to so he's going to change change and so then sometimes i think as i said earlier in the podcast um people trying to measure up things that of morals of today with the past like obviously those people coming to protest the children at the school was racist in 2003 it's still racist now that was racist 50 years ago that that's one of those things where there's no room for interpretation as to whether that was racist or not do you know what i mean like they had a sign mr badger they had a clear so there's several signs. <laughs> yeah. They had literal signs that were racist. Yeah. Literal signs that were racist. And then I think sometimes um, social movements, you know, um, if they, which might, may be good causes, um, sometimes they can be hijacked. And I think, we, I think sometimes, like, let's say, SJW guys, maybe of the white persuasion, social justice warriors, I'm sure people watching know, know what that means. Um, those guys tend to be at the cop, the for, the front of any cause, steering the ship and pouring petrol onto every situation and inflaming things and giving the least charitable interpretation. Yeah, this person definitely hates you. You should block them. You should not speak to them. You should wish death upon their whole family over a small misinterpretation of a joke on the internet. And it's hard to fucking tell a joke through text as well. But then even sometimes, let's say if someone has said one thing, because here's the th thing that I'm thinking about, which might be part of my new comedy half an hour, which I might be writing. And it goes to Bob Marley and the song Redemption, Redemption song. Uh, the Bob Marley song Redemption, he talks about a slave and he talks about a pirate and they both live lives of hardship. And they're both seeking redemption from their pain and their struggle and to try and live a better life. While someone who's been a slave and has always been, you know, treated badly, like obviously they do obviously deserve their redemption. But let's say someone does something bad or commits a crime or says something immoral or whatever. How long are they banned from society? Do you want these people to just go and die because they've said one thing once on the internet? They shouldn't be able to eat. They shouldn't be able to work. No one should ever interact with them socially again. How people think that's going to make you know communities build and bond? I think that's a terrible idea. And I think that people should be trying to find commonalities between each other and things that they can bond over, rather than the most divisive thing at all times. If we're going to fucking argue about race, let's talk about football. If we're going to argue about gender, let's talk about pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing that up, uh, it's it's called cancel culture nowadays, isn't it? 
And uh, a, a lot of what I've noticed is there's people out there saying that, oh, it's impossible to cancel somebody. This is just somebody who's just not good enough at, say, comedy anymore. Whilst at the same time telling all so, of their friends, do not listen to this person, unfollow them, block them, which is cancelling. And also, these sort of people who always hold the line of the dogma and they repeat it like they believe it, like they're fucking Scientology fucking people, Mr. Badger, they're Scientologists. Like, some of the, I've seen people say things like, you can't believe this, or you may even show them hypocrisies within their own logic. I've shown people screenshots of you have said this and this on the same topic. You cannot possibly think both of these things. This is a logical paradox. And they say, fuck you, you piece of shit, you hateful piece of shit. Come off my internet. <laughs> I'm like, dude, bruh. Uh, can I just fathom a guess as well, though? Are these people that are um, entirely virtuous and, you know, they, they want the world to know how lovely they are, are they normally middle-class white gentlemen? For the most part, yes, and they tend to be sort of sycophants. Like they, like I can tell these guys get up in the morning, breathing this shit. And if you think something that they don't agree with, they want to come for you. That and it's not even that. Like they don't want you to be prejudiced towards anyone. So prejudice is when you enact your racism or whatever you have against someone. You can enact that on them by using if you have have some sort of power where you can impede them socially or things of that nature. But if someone if someone has a, uh, a thought that's considered, you know, wrong, whether that be against a race, a gender, a sexuality, a religious ideology, anything or whatever, if this person isn't doing anything to you and they're just sort of within their own bubble living, and they're not even being sort of deflammatory towards you or whatever the fact that people feel they need to come and crush people for that nowadays and most of these people who are see doing this they're men who are sort of they would look at the floor and you know murmur when they sort of see a man in person and there's the phrase keyboard warrior that's come about because i you know i've had my fair share of arguments on the internet and people said to me you're, you're a you're a keyboard warrior. i said what well, if I actually came and gave you a fucking kick and they wouldn't like that in comedy, so I've got to keep it to a keyboard warrior, and you should be grateful that I'm being a keyboard warrior for the moment. What if you <laughs> beat them over the head with a keyboard? How, how do you stand with that? I don't know. Maybe if I get enough juice in comedy where I can afford to fucking pay off the lawsuits of a few ass whoopings. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> but uh, so a few... A few uh, Funny race-related stories that I was that I was thinking of. Um, so I've got two the police-related. One of them, when I was younger, um, me and my friend uh, as a black dude were going to a party, and it was an FHM party. Remember FHM magazine? Like you used to have magazines with tits in back in the day before tits yeah. became like illegal in magazines or something. We were, so we were going to we were going there, and um, we got pulled over and searched for about uh, maybe seventeen or eighteen at the time. And my friend had um, a few hundred pounds on him and they were asking him what it was for. But my friend, he wasn't illicit money. My friend worked. But just for his, he had no reason why he had to tell them, like, why do you have 200 pounds? Like, well, mate, I've got a job. I work. I'm allowed to have 200 pounds. We're going shopping. We're going out. But he didn't feel the need to tell them that. And he was like, so they started radioing in, like, has he done anything else? And then my friend was talking to me and he was like, 
there taking the piss. And they were like, he's swearing, jumped on him, smashed him into a fence and started whooping his ass. And they were like, he was swearing like in, in public, a public disturbance. And they were whooping my friend's ass. And there were several of them and they were quite big. And I tried to calm one of them down. I put my hand on his arm like a coward. And I was like, can you calm down? He's going peacefully. The cop turned around and he punched me straight in the solar plexus in the uh, bottom of my rib cage, and he dropped me and I hit the floor and I was uh, breathing heavy and I got up and I sort of wanted to get up and go for it, but they would have taken me in the van and Rodney King the fuck out of me. My mate was already taking a beating right there and I was seeing his beating. I was like, ooh, do I want more of a beating? And I was <laughs> and I thought, I was like, uh, so, so they started taking him towards the van. And I didn't have credit on my phone at the time because I was a broadcast teenager. And they hadn't put my friend in cuffs yet. And he tried to throw me his phone. He said, phone my dad to get him to come and get me out of the police station. They batted the phone out the air. They said, no, that phone could be evidence. Took him towards the van. I've gone to go towards his parents' house. And he phones me. And he's free. And I said, what happened? Did they let you go? And he said, no, he took off the cuffs to search me. And I kicked the policeman in the face. And I've run off and escaped. And I'm hiding in the bushes at the hospital. And I was like, shit. I was like, do you have cuffs on now? Do I need to get a saw to saw off cuffs so we can go to this FHM party? And I went and met him in the, in the bushes at the hospital in Birmingham, in the city road. And then we went to our friend's house that was by there. And then we changed clothes and hid out for a few hours. And we had to go to the FHM party without haircuts, looking quite rusty. And we didn't get paid. Wow. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> a heartwarming so, story there, Luke. Actually, we're nearly over for time, so we'll have um, one more story regarding Black Lives Matter. I, I did a bit of research about Black Lives Matters, and apparently it originated when uh, it was halfway, well, no, at the start of an American football match. There was a, a chess player called Gary Kasparov who went down onto one knee. Um, and apparently that's how it all started. Colin Kaepernick. Gary Kasparov, that's the one. So... <laughs> So, so what, what's your final story? We'll have to keep it short because we've literally got like a minute, maybe two. What, what's your final story? All right, I'll keep it short. So that time was a negative police interaction. I'm going to give you a positive police interaction. Me and my friends had been out drinking and then we'd been to buy drugs and then we were going to our other friend's house. My friend who was driving, who was black, he, he, he was over the limit severely. We got onto the expressway and we got pulled over by the police. And there's a car full of black dudes and it's white police. And they've pulled us over on the express, which we thought was strange. And the driver is drunk. There were drugs in the car. And I'm like, shit. Well, he's definitely getting arrested. Like, what are we going to do? And I was like, someone needs to be a grown-up and put these drugs up their ass. And then my mate, it was, my mate was driving. I was like, mate, I've been doing all the driving. I'm not putting the drugs up my ass. <laughs> my mate in the back was like, I've paid for a lot of the alcohol tonight. And I was like, the cop's coming over to the car. And I'm like, fuck it, I'll have to be a grown-up. One of us is fucking, give me the, give me it. So I've done it. Plugged it. Not, not full hole, just deep in the cheeks. 
and they've come and they've got my mate out of the car as a black dude and he's drunk and I'm thinking shit run express where they're gonna search us all are we all going in he's definitely going in my mate passed the breathalyzer <laughs> stinking of booze car full of negroes and drugs and the police said have a nice night lads and let him come back in the car and let us leave on our mission well there we go so there are good police interactions so what you're saying is the police sometimes let criminals get away with it (laughs) if if that's the moral you want to take from the table i think they could see these boys are no threat and they're just gonna go watch a film and have a laugh we're not gang bangers we're just having a laugh the same as the rest i want the rest of you guys to have a laugh well i can definitely say that the police have let me get away with quite a few things in the past but that's due to legal pressure so um it's been lovely chatting to you luke man it's it's been an eye-opener learning about people trying to tell you to go home whilst also blockading you into a school um, and, uh, yeah, it has, it's been a lovely chat and uh Hopefully, hopefully, in another few years, race will be a thing of the past, and I, I, I will have black women that will find me attractive. They'll never cancel us, Mister Badger. Fuck them. Yeah, fuck them. Fuck a lot of them. Anyway, say bye bye to the boys and girls. Yes. Bye bye, everybody. <laughs>